I like beer. It makes me a jolly good fellow. I like beer. It helps me unwind, and sometimes it makes me feel mellow. Makes him feel mellow. Welcome to I Like Beer, the podcast where we discuss great beers and the stories that go with them. I'm your host, Jeff. And I'm your host, Jeff. And with us today, again, we got a full team. We've got producer Joe. Always a pleasure, gentlemen. The doctor's in the house. Aloha. And sound guy, Tom. Check one, two, check one, two. We are friends who love good beer and telling stories, so we turned it into a podcast. That's right. We are an internationally acclaimed, nationally renowned, and award-winning Locally award-winning podcast. <laughs> we are not above creating awards and giving them to ourselves. Hey, you know what? I like our chances this year as well. I do too. I feel pretty good. <laughs> if not, there are other categories to create. Teachers by day, beer drinkers by night, and we are lucky enough to live in North County, San Diego, where it's sunny and warm all year long, home to over 200 breweries and tap rooms. Again, welcome. Pour yourself a beer, pull up a bar stool, and join us. And of course, as always, please find and follow us on social media at I Like Beer the Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. I Like Beer the Poe one and I Like Beer the Ta one on Twitter. And make sure to visit our website, I Like Beer the Podcast, to see what's uh, going on. Yeah, help us spread the word about our little podcast. Follow, subscribe, like, comment, download, share, scream it to your neighbors, take your spouse's phone and follow us, all the things you need to do. Right, and don't forget, you can virtually drink with us and toast us on Untapped. We'll we'll toast you right back, and uh, we're kind of easy to find. Just look for all of us on under I Like Beer, the podcast, and all of our names are there. I'm right now. I'm looking on my check-ins right now. I'm on the drive for five thousand, uh, so that's nice. going to be my mission. Wow, uh, I only need nine uh, eight hundred and eighty nine. So uh, we'll we see are how here it goes. for you. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. That's what friends are for. That's right. Let Finish us know 2020 if you need strong. Any help. Finish 2020 strong. That's we'll my hold goal. you up. Yeah. Now, we've told a few stories about our brewery road trips for our annual PGW trip up and down the Pacific Northwest. And we have been welcomed into many, many amazing breweries, big, small, all around. Very few regrets. We mentioned one a couple of weeks ago, Triceratops Brewing in Tumwater, Washington, that we finally got to make amends with owner Rob Horn and meet with him. But there's another brewery that's on my wish list. Talent and Tom have made multiple trips there. That's Hen House Brewing. Yep. Very, very cool yeah. brewery. In fact, I kind of had it, it was kind of an interesting one because I was up there and it hit like Russian River, hit a bunch of these ones. And we were on our way back down to the Bay Area. And I go and we're like, okay, we're going to go into Lagunitas. Went into Lagunitas. I was like, yeah, this is pretty cool, but it's kind of big and noisy and all this other kind of stuff. And and I uh, walk out and I look across the street and it's like a beacon there on the hill. And I see this <laughs> brewery and I go, hey, we got another brewery. Let's walk over there. <laughs> and we walked over there. You walk inside there and it's like, hey, this feels like home. It's nice. It's quieter. It's calmer. And I will say this still to this day, probably the, 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 the woman that helped us in terms of pouring us our beers was probably one of the best I've ever had because she actually brought the tasters to the table and then walked us through tasting of each of the beers. So I uh, really enjoyed that. And I would say anybody that, that is passing through uh, Petaluma there, uh, should definitely check out Hen House Brewing. It's a, it's a great place to visit. I have done lots of research, meaning I've drank a lot of their beers, and uh, <laughs> uh, they call their their beer attendants uh, the flight attendants, yes. which is pretty awesome. Yes, very <laughs> so, cool. So today we're joined by Bob Wagner of Hen House Brewing. Yay! Hey, welcome, Bob. Howdy. Yeah, Bob was nice enough to have us on his show. Now we get to host him on ours. Yeah. Thanks for having uh, having the time to call in here and share a little bit of uh, Hen House's story and your story with us. My pleasure. Thank you guys so much for having me. This is fun. And I know where the doc's mind is. We should start with a beer. Let's do it. So uh, paid vacation. Yep. Bob. Absolutely. As part of your introduction, <laughs> we care about you and we want to know your story. But tell us about paid vacation first. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm some guy. Uh, the beer <laughs> is, however, quite fascinating. Um, this is a French-inspired Saison. This is something we've done a lot of, and the distinction between uh, French and Belgian Saisons usually just kind of boils down to the French styles of being a little bit more peppery, a little more phenolic, and the Belgian ones being a little bit more estery, a little more fruity. We use the same uh, French Saison yeast strain in all of our Saisons. Paid Vacation is our only dry-hopped one, and we have... Chinook, Simcoe, and Amarillo in there in the dry hop. 
and it's lovely. It kind of does like a lemon pepper thing, which is really fun. We've been making this beer for um, about five years, started in 2015 with this particular recipe, and we haven't monkeyed with it much. We've uh, we've played with the yeast a bit. Um, we tried it with a, uh, a yeast strain and the yeast and the hops, uh, they did this wild interaction we weren't planning on. And then the next time we brewed it, we did some really crazy stuff to make sure that they uh, they left each other alone and didn't fight in the tank. And then for that version, we had two beers and then blended those together into Paid Vacation. And now we've got our process down and it's just our really friendly French Saison yeast and a whole bunch of hops. We get the yeast out of the way first uh, with the power of our centrifuge. And then we throw the hops in and we get a, a predictably delicious beer. Uh, the other ones were good, but a little less predictable. Yeah, it's good. I have to say, Saisons usually aren't in my wheelhouse, but you know, I'm kind of liking it. Yeah. It's got yeah. the hoppiness, which I know Doc likes and I know Joe likes. And it's that peppery lemon definitely comes forward. And, and the, like you're, you're right, that the estuary, estuary kind of zing is dialed yeah. way back. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think this would pair really good with some food right now. I don't know what it is, but it would chocolate pair cake. really good. No, yeah. no. Some like, like well, everything pairs good with chocolate cake. <laughs> That's my yeah. Answer yeah. Everything. yeah, no, no. I don't know. I was just saying, yeah. everyone loves a paid vacation. So another right. great, yeah. great name too. So. And chocolate cake. And Originally, chocolate cake. this was going to be the, uh, we thought this would be the Saison. This is before I was with the company. We were like, this is the Saison that is con- going to convert every IPA lover into Saison lovers. That is totally not true. That didn't happen. <laughs> but <laughs> it did make Saison skeptics at least willing to approach a Saison because you're like, right. got hops in there, right? Cool. I'll check it out. And it's lovely. It it's it breaks up our saison rotation, and and we do still try to give it to IPA heads. We're like, oh, you love IPAs, man. Maybe check this one out too. Give someone a little taster of it. I've been selling this beer to people for five years, and I've actually not seen it make that many converts. But <laughs> the folks who love paid vacation uh, certainly enjoy it. So we'll keep making it for them. Very cool. I would order this beer every time I walked in. Right on. I, I would have my pecking order in house yeah. get that pecking ah, order. very good. But this would be this would be my starting place. Now yeah. for saisons, usually that's a that's a lower ABV, maybe a four point five, maybe up to a four point eight. Not yes. with hen house. Not with hen house. <laughs> There's a couple other breweries that'll make kind of more robust saisons. Our honest day's work saison is a seven percent. My actual very favorite hen house beer which everyone at the company knows I want us to make again is called fresh pots. And that was a coffee Saison that we haven't made in two years. Mm. Um, it is the only beer that when I was a bar manager, I illegally filled a growler of and took home. Um, <laughs> allegedly, I absolutely allegedly, love allegedly, that beer. Allegedly. Uh, you know, statute of limitations can't oh, get me now. That's a good um, point. Nice. Yeah. Well played. That was like, uh, five years ago. I'm oh, good yeah, now, yeah, but, yeah, uh, good. Uh, that one's also 7% and our, our standard flagship Saison, which is just called Saison, that one is 5.5. And those are, those are a little strong for Saisons. I think what some folks would actually be getting in the field, the Franco Belgian border where they would have been farming, where that style comes from, it probably would have been like three or maybe even lower, maybe, maybe into the fours. Um, it's tough. I'm still learning a lot about historical brewing, but we call our Saisons the original shifty because Saisonniers uh, were seasonal farm workers who would come through and help with the harvest and farmers would have their own uh, little brewing operations. Making beer was just, just part of housework and the farmers would get some of that Saison and it probably was not 7% because that's a, uh, that's a no. more expensive beer no. and makes yeah, for crappy Saisonniers. farm work. That is a good point. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Hey, Absolutely. hey, Bob! I'm, Bob, I'm getting a lot of phone calls right now. If you can see on my phone, but they want to know uh, what other stories do you have besides the uh, statute limitations? What other statute? <laughs> what so many. We'll save that for after the recording <laughs> stops. Best, the best one. What's the best one besides stealing a growler of beer? What's the best one? Um. Ooh. You know, I was taking that growler before I worked for Henhouse. That was when <laughs> I was. That's, that was, that's when I was a bar manager <laughs> running an actual liquor bar. <laughs> Uh, my favorite gnarliest story is, uh, when a bunch of folks were trying to get overserved. this is back when I was doing liquor bartending and they went through three shots of tequila and three Heineken's a pop in 45 minutes. And then they asked me for another round 
And I said, gentlemen, I would love to do that, but there is no way I can serve you that much alcohol in an hour. And they're like, well, that's unacceptable. And I said, hey, wait 15 minutes and I'll buy you guys that round. And they're all, <laughs> that's unacceptable. And then they began uh, speaking amongst themselves in Spanish. And I, I was a Spanish major in another life. And I was nice. like, I was like, I worked so hard to understand those, the conjugation they're using right now. And they were using it to discuss hypothetically beating me up. But, <laughs> and, and I was like, that was the toughest thing to learn. And this is why, this is where, <laughs> this is where I'm using it. It all worked out that night. But yeah, I've got, I've spent a lot of time in hospitality. I've uh, seen darn near all of it at this point. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Hey, you were telling me earlier that the Saisons play a little bit, a part of the Henhouse origin story that Henhouse and Saisons go back to the beginning. Absolutely. Um, Saisons are what started the brewery. Uh, we began with three uh, styles that, that we were calling fermentation driven. Although I would argue with, with our oyster stout being described as fermentation driven, but now that I'm in the marketing department, I understand why someone said that a bunch of years ago as part of the marketing. But um, Henhouse began with a Belgian Golden Strong called Golden, a Saison called Saison, and an Oyster Stout called Oyster Stout. Yeah. And those were the only beers we made for the first couple of years, with a few little one-offs popping up here and there. And then after a year or two, we dialed in Big Chicken, which was a big double IPA. But when I first met the Henhouse guys... Uh, they were just a three-piece. It was our three founders, Shane, Colin, and Scott. They had just graduated from making beer on a 60-gallon homebrew system to having an alternating proprietorship with another local brewery in Petaluma, California, to a 10-barrel system. So some days, the 10-barrel brewing system, that's about 310 gallons, was legally hen houses, and some days the brewing system was legally belonged to a brewery called Petaluma Hills. And... <laughs> Those folks are great folks, and they made great beer. Unfortunately, they didn't make it, and they went under a few years ago. And the place we have, the Palace of Barrels, right across the street from Lagunitas in Petaluma, is actually the former Petaluma Hills space, and we moved into that. So these guys just made those three beers at that point, and I said, no IPA? And they're like, yeah, no IPA. And I was really excited because I was building out my tap list before we opened. And I was so excited to get all this local beer where I'd worked before in hospitality. It was tough to get local beer. There really wasn't anything around. And I was so excited with all about all these Sonoma County breweries and even specifically Petaluma breweries that I could bring on and I could give these henhouse guys a dedicated handle and have a dedicated Saison handle, which was a huge thrill for me as, as a beer nerd, kind of new to beer, but getting really excited about it. And here were these hardworking guys offering me a local Saison that I could have on draft year round. And it, it made my day because I already had like seven IPA handles. So they're sitting there in Russian River's backyard. Absolutely. A stone's throw from Sierra Nevada. Yeah. And they're saying, and we're, going with, we're going with the Saison. And, yeah, and then they say, no, we're going with the Saison. Right. <laughs> so tell us how that went. Yeah. I said, no IPA. And they said, why bring sand to the beach? There you go. And I said, yep, absolutely. <laughs> that makes sense to me. Uh, you guys get a Saison handle. And if it's not ungodly, I will I will just keep you guys on like that. And I tried a lot of different beers and built a really good relationship. Uh, I, I was really impressed with the beers, uh, how much work they put into it. And, you know, seeing the owners stop by periodically and put a few bucks on the bar and, and buy some pints and hang out was nice and i liked geeking out with them too because i could they would come in and i'd be like did you hear about this new hop did you hear about so-and-so's brewing and i didn't see that as much from other breweries because henhouse was so small and they all lived in petaluma the same town where uh the bar i worked at was they would just cruise in periodically and hang out we'd talk beer and and i was like these guys really have something going on now i'm a part of the team so henhouse didn't have a regular ipa um, that was brewed consistently until 2016. When I joined the team, when we opened up the tasting room, that is when Henhouse IPA, we call it the incredible pale ale because it's never been sent to India. Um, <laughs> that's when that beer first came out. And then it was a, it was still a while before we got into canning, but 
today as we're recording this, uh, November 18th, is Henhouse IPA's four-year anniversary. Our first Ooh. can cool. came Ooh. off the canning line four years ago today. Yeah. Nice. And it, uh, it changed the whole company. It changed the business. It changed what we do, how we do it, what we're able to do. Everybody got health insurance after that started, and <laughs> that was really fun. So I, I have a question real quick. Why, why the name Hen House? What's the origin story on that? Great question. So when the company was in utero, when it was still coming together, but hadn't really started, a couple of friends were working for a soap factory uh, that was itself in a converted poultry processing plant. And what's what was incredibly cool about that soap factory is that the owner would let his employees do whatever they wanted after the soap factory closed. And wait a lot a of the minute. folks, like, after they closed for the day. Lather up, Doc. Wait yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what are we talking here, Bob? What are we talking right. here? Uh, we're talking Don't, about this wait, band Bob, practice. Make, some shit up. make it up. Come on. No, no. He's yeah. talking about that. They were very um, clean. Very clean yeah. at that company. Yes. I don't want to hear the clean stories, Bob. Come on. What do we got? <laughs> it was pretty much just band practice. And a lot yeah. of the guys who worked at the soap factory had rock and roll bands. And they would bring their bands in because it was a it was in an industrial area. So like right. after six or seven, no one's around. You can make all the noise you want. Grateful they Dead. Oh, that's, that's too old. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of the bands that were that were playing there include, I believe, Litany for the Whale and The New Trust, abbreviated as TNT. Those bands were probably playing there. Possibly a band called The Velvet Teen, but I can't I can't be a hundred percent sure of that. <laughs> Yeah, those are the those are the names that I've learned. Those are terrible and, names for being in a soap factory. Yeah. yeah. There should be a band called Would You Lather? So good. Scrubbing the bubbles. Yeah. Oh. oh man, those are this, good. Hey, send me some of these beer names that I can use royalty free. And uh Would I'll you send you lather. Like, I'll I like send you a stick lather. That's a good one. Yeah. Wow. So I'll be here all night. Once the uh brewery started kind of coming together as an idea. The folks who would be Henhouse, uh, Shane, Colin, and Scott. Uh, Shane was the the member of our team who worked there, along with a guy named Josh, who is a fantastic local musician who drew a lot of band logos and stuff. The guys ended up asking him. They're all, "Hey, we're trying to start this brewery. Should we maybe maybe draw us as some sort of chicken thing?" And I don't know. We'll give you a give you a case of beer or something someday when we can afford it. And he was like, "Yeah, sure." Drew that for them on spec, and. Uh, Shane, Colin, and Scott would use this really great facility to brew first practice batches and then the initial commercial batches of Henhouse beer. That facility was a poultry processing plant at one point. That is why we are Henhouse. Petaluma uh, used to be like the chicken capital. We say chicken capital of the world. I don't know if I can exactly prove that, but uh, chicken capital of Northern California, absolutely. Um, nice. This area's poultry heritage runs all the way, and dairy heritage runs all the way back to the gold rush. And there's still a ton of poultry agriculture that occurs in Petaluma. And uh, in the days before the Golden Gate Bridge, the Petaluma River would get you to the bay, and then you you sail your barge full of eggs across the bay to uh, San Francisco, and and you're making money. I would also like to throw out that the name we almost were, we almost were Oak Hill Sellers. And everyone who works for the company now agrees that is a terrible name. And our CEO, Colin, who thought of that name, was incredibly wrong for even thinking for a second. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like a winery. That does not sound like a... We were almost... I like wine the podcast, so imagine the disaster. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you think about so many so many little things where like life changes, the world changes just True. enough and yeah. you avoid disaster. I love the name Henhouse. Everyone in Sonoma County, particularly in Petaluma, uh, really connects with it. It's like it's fun to say. I I get yeah. a kick out of it. It abbreviates to uh, HH. We we spell it with a with two capital H's. I get a kick out of that. And it keeps us kind of uh, tied to our community where we started where we've come from and, and who we're here for. Like we love selling beer far and wide. And that's kind of been a, a silver lining of this COVID thing is selling beer online. But without our community, there is no hen house business We're we're done without Sonoma County folks buying our beer. So it's a great way to kind of keep Sonoma County front of mind for us at all times and, uh, and openly share 
our connection to Petaluma. Nice, Bob. Yeah. I want to have another beer with you. So let's have another beer. Actually, I want to have, Bob, I can't wait to have a beer with you in person. Right now, let's have another one of your beers. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going with Festlife. Great choice. Not everybody's got one, but I got one. You got Festlife? I got got one. I'm going to have Festlife. I got Festlife? I got Festlife. I got Festlife. I got Festlife. I also got another band name. If if there was a heavy metal band in that soap factory, Foam at the Mouth. Oh, that's a good one. How about about suds and duds? (laughs) That's pretty good, too. Henhouse is also putting out a record pretty soon uh, with a heavy metal band called Smolder Glow. The the band is guys on our team who don't even work in the same department. They just they met through the company and uh, started jamming together and they recorded something. Uh, one of the bosses said, Hey, if you let us, if you let Bob speak a beer sales message that we can embed backwards <laughs> into your, in one of your songs, we'll press it up as a flexi disc, which if you haven't seen those, it's like the, the thinnest, it's the least amount of vinyl record you can possibly have. Uh, they only get, they only get a few plays out of them. That'll be dropping, uh, really soon for, for record store day. Right, you're going to do a little spoken word beer yeah. poetry. Yeah. Yeah. If you spin it backwards, uh, there is a sales message with my voice uh, recorded on there. Uh, the things you find yourself doing after studying beer for years, you're like, yeah, I, I study beer all the time. All right. We need you to like uh, put a secret message in this heavy metal song. Okay. That's my job. All right, Bob. Ready? Right. Here's a question. Ready? What is, you know, we've been talking a lot of beer styles. What's you, Bob, palindrome Bob? What's your favorite beer style? I usually say Doppelbach. I absolutely love Doppelbachs, but Good answer. I drink them all the time because they're tough to come by. Corbinian from uh, Wyan Stefan is uh, is one you can find pretty regularly, and I absolutely love that one. And I just I love every brewery that makes one. Like if you if I see if I see a brewery's made a Doppelbach, I am absolutely buying it. And uh, wow. shout out to the good folks at Sudwork and yeah. uh, Davis. Really like foundational California brewery and to specialize in German lagers is incredible. And to consistently give me a Doppelbach, uh, every year, I didn't get one in 2020 cause that Doppelbach season was like the height of COVID. I don't know if one came out this year, but I certainly hope so. And, uh, I think we're going to have one next year too. I love pretty much everything, but the thing I tell people that surprises them is that hops are a second language to me. Belgian beer is what I got first exposed to in my career and i really really liked it gear is a funny story when i was going to junior college where russian river is i went to a record store near russian river and i was i was old enough to drink not into craft beer at all i looked at russian river and said there's another one of those freaking beer pubs yeah uh the beer costs like seven bucks and it's so hoppy you can't even drink it uh for five bucks i can get 340 ounces of malt liquor It'll knock me on my butt. I looked dismissively at Russian River, hopped on my skateboard, and skated to the bus stop. And <laughs> that Bob was a total idiot. Hey, we spent the night in Petaluma and didn't go to Hen House on one of our trips. So I, I know the feeling. So, hey, so that brings me to my next question. So, then what was your first beer that you said, wow, that changed your thoughts on like what, what could beer taste like? Everything with me and beer really lined up in like a, in a weird, interesting way. I had moved to Chico. Dropped out of college pretty quickly after getting there. Uh, still love, love, love that city. Uh, lived in Chico for seven years after I stopped going to school. And I couldn't find a job anywhere. And then, which I thought was weird because I'd already been a waiter for eight and a half years. I, I thought when I moved to Chico, I could get a job anywhere I wanted. But couldn't fi- I couldn't get arrested in that town, although I almost did a couple of times. <laughs> uh, came real close. But... Uh, uh, there was a new restaurant opening and they had a huge beer focus. They hired me. I went and visited a homebrew friend before my new job started who lived uh, in Santa Cruz. And I was drinking some of his great homebrew and really, really loved it. And it was a beer he made with wood chips that he'd soaked in whiskey. And I'd never heard of anything like that. And I was just like, man, my friend's nuts. He's making the weirdest, coolest beer. And I love this beer and it's getting me wasted. Uh, this is just perfect. I went back home a couple days later, started my job, got presented as a waiter with 16 tap handles and 70 different bottles. And 
at the time that company didn't have a beer training program. So I just said, all right, I'm going to drink my way through everything that we've got just because as a waiter, if your guest can stump you, if you say, uh, I don't know, you can actually hear your tip decrease. <laughs> you're so, doing it. You were doing it for the guests. I literally was. And because a, a lot of those beers too, were not the three for $5, 40 ounce malt liquors that I had been previously uh, experienced <laughs> with. And right at the top of the list alphabetically is Allagash Curio. Ah. And that is a Belgian triple they brew that they age in Jim Beam barrels. And I tasted it and, and I bought it. It was like, gosh, I don't know, like 15 bucks, which I couldn't imagine spending on a beer. I tasted it and was like, this is like my friend's thing. As I read the label, they're like, yeah, we age this in, in whiskey barrels. And I was like, that's what my friend did. And then I thought, oh my gosh. I can have as much of this as I want. Like I can just buy it when I had it. I thought it was this thing my friend made and I could have it once. And then that was it. But I was like, yeah, for, you know, if I can come up with the money, I can drink this every day if I want. And Allagash Curio was my beer that like, I was like, man, there could really be something going on to this. Nice. That's when the journey began. And that's uh, 10 years and uh, three months ago from today. (laughs) So nice. hey, going back to the the beer we just opened up, I'm just I mean I've had this one before and I have the best life. I know some of you guys have yeah. a different one, and I'm going to tell you from like Blondale, this is like this is what a Blondale should taste like. This is such a good Blondale. Um, this is what you would call a porch pounder. Uh, you can just sit there and just drink this all day, all night, all year long. Our, um, our local yeah. uh, our local brewery Culver that it reminds me a lot of the Mad Neighbor. Yes, I just agree, the they, perfect Blondale. Yeah, they they yeah. you nailed this. You guys nailed this right? for Blondale. But yeah. I'm I'm going to call a pause of the show. Mark the time, uh, Tom. Uh, I got to talk to you about this fest life for a second, Bob. Yeah, uh, we have a very special category for certain beers, and I think the doctor's with me by the look on his face when he sipped it. This is, and I love Oktoberfest. Yeah. This, this is a style that I always like. And and for me on our five-point scoring, it's hard for it to get less than a four, two, five, four, five, because I love it. Here, here. This, here, here. this, anybody with me on this? You know where I'm going, Doc? I'm with you. This is a I'm Shawshank beer. This is, this is as good as an Oktoberfest <laughs> beer can be. Wonderful. Tom? We sat and drank with the sun on our shoulders and felt like free men. Hell, we could have been tarring the roof of one of our own houses. We were the lords of all creation. This has made my top ten. Well, I look forward to trying that at some point. Since I <laughs> but I, I will tell you this, that the best life to me is, is as good as you can make a blonde ale. So I'm going to, so I, I would I mean, I, well, I would just say it's a, it's a fantastic beer. So. Can, can, can I second what Talon is saying? And maybe we have another Morgan Freeman appearance. Well, sure. I, I'm going to tell you this. Here's what I'm going to say is, is I think like blonde ales for me, I, I know I probably rated it down a little bit on when I put it in on tap, but it, like I said, it's, it's good. There, there are certain like I blonde ales are, are and Mexican lagers are my two go-tos. Like if I'm at a place and I don't know, um, and I, like I said, I, I do. I think if you had to put this with Blondales, this is as good as anybody's made a Blondale. Yeah. No, this wow. Is really thank good. you. That is high praise. And I mean, yeah. we, in California, we all kind of live in area code 805. Uh, right. No, I, I look, I'm actually wearing the sweatshirt right now. <laughs> and that has been my go-to, like my go-to, go-to Blondale. Like if I'm at a place and there's an 805, I'm going to order that at least as one of my six or seven beers I'm going to have that evening. Wow. Totally. And, uh, and uh, this one right here, I'll be honest with you, I probably would might even order this above an 805. I think it's just got a little bit of more flavor. Um, wow. it, it's it's yeah. so Take well it. done. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's well, really good. Well, above 805. If you could only sell as many of those as 805. Yeah. 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 Holy um, shit. Yeah. I, I just, I, like I yeah. said, I, I think it's important to have that. That is such a go. Like you talk about, you know, obviously you even talked about your journey into craft beer, beer and stuff like that. And we still probably have the majority of our population still does not drink craft beer. They drink macro beers, but Definitely. these are the, these are the beers that if they try these are going to get them to convert because these are the, right. the gateway beers they, like to me, yep. like the Blondale is yes. like the gateway beer to craft beer because all of a sudden they're going to go, wait a second. This is a, this is what I've been drinking all my entire life, but now I've, this has flavor to it. You guys really nailed that one. Thank you. You know, that that's definitely what we're going for. And some of y'all get get some fest life. And that is our, of course, Oktoberfest beer that only popped up for Oktoberfest time. And this is our first time brewing fest life. Wow. First and time. I think it, wow. First time. Wow. Oh, like that turned goodness. out really good. Fun story. I like telling people about Henhouse. There is no pilot system. Uh, when people say, where's your pilot brewery? If I'm <laughs> doing a brewery tour, 
I point to our 30 barrel mash ton and say, that's our pilot system. We're all in. And, We're uh, all in. We yeah. hope for the best. Yeah. Um, Shane, who's one of our founders who used to be our head brewer. Now we have the delightful Mike Guilford uh, running brewing operations. But Shane said, if we aren't dumping at least two batches a year, we aren't pushing ourselves hard enough as a brewery in terms wow. of like weird stuff that you can do. Like sometimes it's experimenting with ingredients. I don't know if you guys know about, know much about cryo hops. But that is a um, it's a hop product that's only been around for a couple of years, and it's a great product, and it really helps you get all that hop flavor, but without losing a ton of yield. Because every every hop pellet or or whole cone hop you throw into that into that tank is a little tiny beer sponge, and you lose beer yeah. while you're doing that. So cryo dust was supposed to help with that, and we make a few beers with cryo dust and with the hot pellets that we use all the time, we said, Hey, well, if some cryo dust is good, all cryo dust is going to be great. <laughs> More cryo dust is going to be awesome. It's going to be a lot better. <laughs> and I don't think anyone at our team can really explain why that beer tasted the way it did. That was one that did not make it. Um, no, no one tasted it except for uh, seven or eight people in the company. Taco meat was my favorite tasting note that we got from that beer. And it was oh, supposed dude. to be a, supposed to be a uh, 100% mosaic pale ale and taco meat was the taste notes we were getting. Nice. Yeah. So that Some one was like that. Right. Um, yeah. You know, if I saw a beer called taco meat, I would have to buy it. I would I, try I, it. I, gotta I would know. definitely try it. Yes. The Mexican um, right there with taco Tuesday. But right. if, uh, if you get a beer that says mosaic pale ale and you bring it home and you are pouring uh tacos into your glass you're yeah. probably going to be bummed so that one went to the uh the alligators in uh the santa rosa sewer that one went straight down the drain <laughs> we also tried a beer where i'm not super familiar with the specifics of this but um there was an idea of taking like a little shortcut in brewing but the result might be a bunch of sulfur in the beer so we tried that and we got a bunch of sulfur in the beer and then we actually <laughs> Gave all of that beer to a wonderful sour beer producer here in Santa Rosa called Shady Oak Barrel House. And yeah, if you if you can sit on that beer in a barrel for about a year, 18 months, all the sulfur will be gone and you'll have something cool. And that's what that gentleman did. And then, you know, occasionally weird stuff happens. Tanks break, latches pop, and we will try to see if we can save that beer or save some of that beer. And there was a really good one. Uh, I tasted it and a bunch of our team came in on the weekend because we had a tank fit. We had a gasket failure on a tank and they were able to, to do all these neat technical tricks to turn it into a different beer than we wanted. It was still really tasty, but the bosses said like, hey, this isn't what we sh what we set out to do. We can't really replic replicate this. Um, we're sending it to the Gators and down the drain <laughs> it went. <laughs> I'm going to give my tasting notes on Fest Life here for a second. All right, let's hear it. Yeah. Uh, here's my tasting notes. If if you're a fan of Oktoberfest, right? Fest beers. Imagine the best Fest beer you've ever had, and there are there are fantastic ones out there. Yep. And then you died and went to heaven, and you were wow. at Oktoberfest. Yeah. Yeah. That this is the beer they'd that's be serving. The beer they would give you. Wow, I, that's pretty kidding. high praise. There. And you know me. Yeah, I yeah, that yeah. On a, you guys that need praise. to get that on the can there, that quote right there. Yeah. I mean, uh, would, that's this pretty is where good. you would get if you went to heaven and we're at Oktoberfest in heaven. If this you died and went to heaven right. and it was and you're in Munich it's, and it was Oktoberfest. This is the beer they're serving. Wow, that is high praise. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I'm at with it. High praise. I like it. All right. So speaking of some of some of you guys' other beers, one of the ones when I walked up, then you talk about unique beers. I, so that first visit that I had there, I will say this. I had Best Life. I loved it. I bought a case of Best Life while I was up there. Um, but the one that was like to me was I it was so unique and I thought it was such an interesting taste that I bought a bunch to bring back to share with the guys is the Oyster Stout. Uh, just because I yeah. like the idea of the fact that you use local products and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And it was interesting because I brought it back. And I, and it came to some, and I hear, I'm like, this is a great beer. I love this beer. And it was super mixed reviews. Like, uh, and I'll let Jeff kind of go into it a little more, but <laughs> he loved it. The rest were yeah. not so, so, yeah. so excited so, about it. So we took our, we did, this is when we got to meet in person pre COVID Yeah. and yeah. talent talked, talked all about hen house and what a great experience he had there. And we poured out everybody's taster and I'm looking at it and the color of it's beautiful and, and, and I'm tasting it and I'm savoring it. And I'm looking across at Jeff and we, you know, we're Jeff. So yeah, one, yep. we're always right. And yeah. 
we're we're men of stellar taste. Yeah, fine taste. Yeah, and I'm looking at him going, "This is this is a Shawshank beer, yeah. isn't it?" Yeah. And then I look over at the other guys, and they're pouring it out. They're pouring it into their dump cup. Uh, <laughs> so it's not for everybody. Let's say that. But I love it. Sure, Talon's a fan. Yeah. Tell us about the Hen House Classic Oyster Stout. Yeah, we love it. Um, we've been making that one since 2012 when the company started. One of those first three beers. Uh, we've always been using whole Hog Island oysters in there. The Oyster Stout is is an odd style. There's some debate as to when it all started, but it goes at least as far back as 1910. And I fall into the boat of folks who say, I see it as being part of the early industrial revolution beers, like when stouts first started becoming a thing. I'm one who believes there were oyster stout examples back then, but I'm not, I'm a beer nerd, not a beer historian, but um, (laughs) yeah, we brew that one with whole hog Island oysters. That is the most uh, eye catching thing about that beer. It's a pretty simple dry Irish stout, except for that oyster edition. And then we also throw in a little bit of sea salt, which we, just went back to getting it from um, getting it locally. It's uh, Sonoma Coast sea salt now, as it was in the beginning. And then we went through a, a long period in the middle where we weren't able to get a local salt that we could like that we could afford. In the earliest days, all the salt in that beer was actually scraped off of a rock on the Mendocino <laughs> coast, so our founder Scott could write off his kayaking trips as business expenses. <laughs> and um, that's my hypothesis. I haven't seen his actual turns. Uh, uh, I'm just imagining that's what it was. But he really did scrape it off of a rock on the Mendocino Coast. And then we were making so much of it that Scott would have to live on that rock and just scrape it every day <laughs> for us to keep up with our oyster stout. It's a, it's a bizarre style. The oysters go right into the boil. We use whole oysters, which is a strange way of doing an oyster stout. We like doing it like that because the oysters open up and they release the liquor inside the oyster, uh, the oyster brine. And we feel like that adds to the kind of whiff of the sea aroma you get on the nose with that beer. Yes. And it contributes a little bit more salinity than, than the salt that we're already throwing in there. And then the salinity from that is like a little bit more complex. It's not just we're not just throwing in salt. It's actually a part of that organism. Most oyster stouts are just brewed with the shells. And that began originally as a way of mellowing the bitterness from the roast barley that's in there. When that style was first uh, created, we like to say that during the boil, the calcium carbonate from the oyster shells dissolves into the beer. And then that that helps all the flavors in there pop. We describe it as tasting kind of like a salted caramel brownie. And it's our it's our terroir beer without getting put our heads too far up our butts on the terroir thing. <laughs> it really is our beer that tastes like here. Um, all of the malt in there now is coming to us from Admiral Malting. Admiral is about, I don't know, 40 or 50 ish miles away from us in the city of Alameda. They're right on the bay. And they're the first malting company to open in California since prohibition. And they're only using California grown grain. Most of it is about, I don't know, 75, 120 miles north of us, uh, much closer to Chico. So we have California grown grain that is malted in the Bay Area. We are using oysters from Tamales Bay, which is about 25, 30-ish miles from us. Uh, we got Santa Rosa water. We are using yeast uh, that comes to us from uh, imperial yeast out of Portland, Oregon. So that is our that is our non-local ingredient that is in there. But we're really, really happy with that beer. And uh, it catches a lot of eyes. It freaks a lot of people out. I've had some folks tell me it tastes like fish sauce. I'm not saying it didn't taste like fish sauce to them. I'm just saying there's there's no ingredients that would make it taste like fish sauce. <laughs> and we, you know, we all eat, drink, and smell with our eyes. Like, uh, once you see oyster, you're like, this is going to be fish sauce. But no one wants a fishy beer. That's the number one thing. When I was behind the bar at Hen House, me and the other bar folks used to say, like, if you see someone getting kind of whispering about oyster stout, instead of offering them a taste, pour them a taste and then plop it down in front of them. When I do that, I'll usually give people a glass of water and I'll just say, hey, I heard you said something about oyster stout. 
and uh, I'll give them a little taster glass of it and a glass of water. I'm like, I promise it's not going to hurt you. But uh, <laughs> if you really, really hate it, there's a glass of water. Just jump right into that and rinse it out of your mouth, you know, but check it out. And uh, most folks I've given it to have been into it. And you have a few folks who say I have a shellfish allergy. Uh, please don't drink it if you have a shellfish allergy. <laughs> and we do have the allergy warning on the label. Uh, unless you really hate dark beer, you might be into it. There's a, there's a strong chance you'll be into it. And it's really fun to, to see people unique. make that conversion. Yeah, no, yeah. I definitely got to check it out. So. The mouthfeel has has a little bit of oiliness, mm. which, which which can throw you off a little bit. But that salinity sure. just yeah. brings something extra to to what I already love in everything about it. So, yeah, and you're not a beer historian, but Jeff Allworth is. And he will yes, confirm he that the oyster stout was a big move in the you know late 1800s, early 1900s of convincing people that stout beers were good for your health. They already believed yeah. oysters were good for your health, so they just Absolutely. combined them. So you yeah, could get why not? Yeah. Best to, of both worlds. It's like having a fruit beer for breakfast. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I do that all most Fridays. And yeah, Jeff Allworth <laughs> is incredible, and as an industry, we are very lucky to have him. Well, people are saying that about Jeffs everywhere. Yeah, I yeah. really. Yeah. I'd say <laughs> another <Absolutely>. Jeff, yes. <laughs> just another Jeff. Pretty much all the Jeffs in the beer <laughs> yeah. industry and in the podcast industry. Uh, he came in second to us in the uh, awards last year. And so. Jeff of the Year Award. Yes, yes. <laughs> it was close, though. It was close. It, but yes. it was a tie for first yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. You told us a lot about Josh. Yeah. You know, lead guitarist for Would You Lather and your can art. But the beer names with the yeah. conspiracy theories. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Tell us about yeah. that. Frozen Envelope. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's That's been a really fun thing. We have had... So now we're big enough as a company that there are some folks who do sit around for parts of their week and just try and dream up beer concepts. But up until fairly recently, when we had when we began the marketing department, which is where I am, which is where Josh Staples, our incredible artist, is, and uh, the newest marketing coordinator, Fridge, who uh, came to us from the tasting room, is we're the we're the smallest department and uh, we're the spunkiest. Um, but beer names and stuff can just come from anybody in the company, whether it was a couple of bartenders passing an idea back and forth. You now have like a form that people in the company can fill out about <laughs> uh, new beers. But in the earliest days, I was working a bartending shift and Colin and Shane, two of our owners, founders, they come walking up from the brewery kind of like, I would say like kind of drunk on exhaustion. And they're like giggling to each other. And they're like, we're going to make a beer and we're going to call it Chemtrails. And it doesn't make any sense because we don't have any naming convention that that allows for a name like that. We had most of our beers back then were, were the name of the style. Right. Henhouse IPA, Henhouse Saison. And then we had a few things like Big Chicken, uh, Little Chicken, and then like the labor-themed work beers. But there weren't a lot of interesting beer names coming from Henhouse. It was usually just the style of the beer. And... I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, chemtrails. So like this IPA, it's <laughs> it's the opposite of of our IPA. We describe our IPA as having a, um, a bit of a more old school malt character with all new school hops. And chemtrails is the inverse of that. It's got more of a new school malt character, meaning very light, kind of uh, Sculpin-esque, but with old school hops, 90s hops. We've got uh, Chinook, Cascade, and Centennial in there. And I said to them, Listen, you guys, I couldn't be more excited about this. And this is something you guys don't know about. It didn't come up in my interview, but I'm like, I am really into all this stuff. Like I grew up like uh, me and my dad would be like really into UFOs and telepathy and uh, ghosts and like all that stuff. He'd buy me little books. We'd like watch shows about it. I watched a lot of X-Files as a kid. They decided to run with that. And then the beers started coming out uh colin came up with this this phrase as we all know colin uh used to be most of our logistics department all of our sales department and all of our marketing department and he has since delegated various chunks of this task he actually just left us as being the marketing director and now he's like now he's just ceo and worrying about the big serious stuff he and he occasionally gets to come and have fun with us dreaming up beer names but this this chemtrails thing 
really hit with people. And and also, this IPA thing has been doing really well with folks. So Henhouse <laughs> like... I've heard this. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, you know, there might Incredibly be something to pale this ale. India pale ale style, and maybe we should make a few more of these. And uh, suddenly, everyone's, you know, making rent. Everyone's getting health insurance. We just keep coming up with more and more of those. That's something that I'm really heavily involved in. The first... I don't know, six or seven were laid out by Colin. Um, I've contributed to some of them. Other folks in the company, uh, shout out to my coworker, Christy, who came up with the Walrus's Paul, which is our uh, one about the Beatles. Some say, as we all know, Beatles bassist unfortunately passed away in 1966. And what? they hired <laughs> an imposter. And that was when the Beatles entered their studio years. Uh, they hired an imposter because both the Queen and MI6 were convinced that if they announced that Paul McCartney had passed away, uh, a.k.a. the cute one, yeah. uh, problems all over England and all over the world yeah. would uh, start committing suicide. And yeah. the Queen wouldn't have that. So this uh, fake gentleman, Billy Shears, became a fake Paul or Paul, as he's called sometimes. <laughs> and... Now, poor Mr. Shears has been Paul McCartney longer than he ever was Billy Shears. So the question is, is Paul McCartney uh, a person or wow. just an idea? Um, wow. Bob, I'm getting thirsty. Bob, we got yeah. we got all this talk of beers. We got to try another, We got to try another beer. something. One more beer. Yeah, absolutely. Clocked out. You guys got yeah. clocked out? Clocked, clocked out. out is our Belgian wit. Um Shout out to our brewer, Justin, who wrote that label. Justin is fantastic, and he is about to move in to uh, a new brewing position with the good folks, the award-winning folks at Pond Farm Brewing in San Rafael, California, right. and uh, we wish him the best. Justin is an incredible dude. They're very lucky to have him. But this conspiracy thing, uh, when I was running the tasting room, we started doing can releases, and the first time we canned chemtrails, uh, uh, some folks came in, they, they asked some kind of scary questions. A guy had a shirt that said chemtrails kill. And I said, like, I said, Hey guys, you know, the, the truth is somewhere. We're just making beers here. And so far Someone was offended. Yeah. Um, and we That's were, great. we like to have fun with it. We say that the truth is somewhere. I think that conspiracy theories are kind of a, a modern American folklore and it's, it's changed a bit. And the world has changed a bit in terms of conspiracy stuff. Yeah, so, man, they're taking off. Holy shit. Yeah. So part of my job is both thinking up neat ones that could be beers and being aware of ones that are not neat and are very <laughs> scary and very bad. And yeah. we must in definitely not bring, bring, in. bring an element into your, your uh, tasting room that you don't want. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we want to make sure that everyone who shows up uh, gets to leave and go home and have yeah. a great day tomorrow. My favorite so, one that you guys do is uh, is frozen envelope. I just think that's a great one because that's yeah. probably mm. something that most people never even thought of. And you guys yeah. come up with the beer on that. And that's that's hilarious. Definitely. Uh, frozen envelope for the folks who don't know. This is the uh, as we all know, uh, with the as we all know phrase. We really enjoy that because it could be either two very, very serious uh, conspiracy fans talking back and forth. As we all know, uh, the 1985 uh, draft was rigged so yeah. that Patrick Ewing would end up on the Knicks. And there are all these bizarre coincidence, coincidences surrounding that. And you can see a lot of those things on the label. There's the famous bent corner on the Knicks envelope. Um, I'd never heard of that one. That's actually the only one I had heard of before starting a hen house. I was like, what's the frozen envelope one? I know all these. And like, it's a sports one and i was like yeah. oh that's why i don't know it even patrick ewing has made a frozen envelope shoe with his own ewing shoe company nice. celebrating that uh they've been a lot of fun for us and now we're still leaning really heavily into it but part of my job is being kind of out there on the internet looking around for <laughs> things that might not be Danger. cool to make a beer about yes. yeah. um yeah. we've made a couple that that we aren't going to bring back because we just felt like they were like a little too dark yeah. uh, we made a beer called blanc helicopters which was a <laughs> single hop ipa with hallertau blanc which is a great hop that we use a lot of and the the label had uh the capitol building 
and then just a ton of black hell, like black warships in the sky. And uh, one of our owners was like, Hey, is this just going to like bum people out? Maybe let's not do this one again. So we didn't do that. We're trying to keep them kind of light. We're trying to keep them fun. Yeah, uh, we had I one called Keanu's Immortal. Yeah. They're a lot of fun. Uh, the internet <laughs> loves Keanu Reeves. The Keanu was a mortal one. Um, we were really, really happy with, and we made it so many times and sold so much of it. Our lawyers were like, Hey, listen guys, you got to stop because now, now you're worth suing. And uh, <laughs> yeah. you gotta stop that. So we backed off Keanu is immortal and actually rebranded that beer, which isn't something that we like to do. We want to make sure that like, we aren't just brewing the same beer and coming up with different names of them. It's like disingenuous. We want to give someone a fun new time and a fun new experience, but we just love the recipe for Keanu so much. We rebranded it as Mandela effect, which is another great conspiracy about the whole world kind of changing around you. And the idea that you don't ever misremember anything. If, if you misremember it, your memory's perfect. Actually, the past is changed behind you. And that's, what's going on with that. So to convert Keanu as a mortal into Mandela effect made a lot of sense. And, uh, and we ran with that and we, we scrubbed the Keanu is immortal off of our uh, Instagram page for a long time. <laughs> when people say, what's up with Keanu is immortal. You're like, I know what you're talking about. Is that a beer? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's great. And the taste room folks are all in on the joke. You have a good time. Uh, I'm going to jump in here on clocked out your Belgian style wit beer. Uh, we yeah. made a pledge a couple episodes ago on national tolerance day for some Ooh. of our not so big Belgian fans. And I, I'm someone that's, Belgian curious. Sure. <laughs> Doc and, and talent were saying, all right, I'm going to give them a try. If this isn't your gateway Belgian, I don't know what is. Right. This doesn't have any of that medicinal funk, the estuary quality to it. This is just yeah. a fantastic, delicious, crispy, uh, but also has some body to it. Vit beer. Definitely has some body. Yeah. A lot of wheat in that one. It's lovely. We use some grains of paradise in that one. I'm actually going to bring up that recipe. Pardon me and double check. But, you know, Belgian wits is a, are a great place to start with Belgian beer because the flavors in there are just really approachable for everyone. Like look at the success of blue moon and then look at the success of who garden before that. And there's clearly something to it. I, I think every brewery should have like a great Belgian wit They're They're nice beers to have around. They can kind of play with a few different, like lighter foods, things you'd be like snacking on with friends like chips and guac or like a quesadilla or like a, you know, I don't know, light breakfast frittata. That's fun. That was on one of my beer tests once, so I've never forgotten it. Um, <laughs> we're really, really pleased with how we, with how that one turned out. The one you're drinking is the first time it's gotten canned. That was our second time brewing it. And I think Belgian wits are wonderful beers. I drank a lot of Blue Moon when I was first getting into beer. Blue Moon was the was the fancy beer that I drank sometimes when I was out at bars. Yeah, grains of paradise and some coriander in there. Not a lot, just a pound of grains of paradise and half a pound of coriander. Whole bunch of wheat. That beer is 45% wheat. So doc, as someone who is not only completely and totally honest, but also not a giant fan of Belgians, what do you think of the clocked out? You know, seeing as this is our second podcast and I've had about five beers by now, <laughs> I, Bob, I'm really liking this beer. <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take it. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. Too. Yeah. Yeah. That's a win. That's a W right there. That is definitely so, a W. Joe, you're our Belgian guy. You, you love the Belgians. Yeah. I gave them all to you guys. That's what a producer does. <laughs> <laughs> I feel You're really welcome. bad. You're, you're only like five minutes away from my house. I, I won't finish. Come on over. <laughs> okay, I'm on my way. <laughs> Hurry before we finish. Belgian styles are great, especially for folks who aren't into hops. You know, it's a Belgium has an incredible brewing tradition. They've given America so much because you have the you have the monastic beers like uh, singles, doubles, triples and quads. And those are fun. Like, man, especially in my early days, like a big, rich quad where I'm like, well, this tastes like candy. It is 14%. Bob liked this. Uh, <laughs> that was really fun. And then when you want to get like, you know, really complicated, you got like the Belgian farmhouse scene, which goes anywhere from like Saison Dupont 
all the way into the really complicated uh, mixed fermentation stuff like Cantillon beer. You know, I'm a huge fan of Flanders Reds too. Like Cuvée de Jacobins is like one of my very favorite beers whenever I can get my hands on it. It's an incredibly small little country with like one of the most interesting beer cultures in the world, you know, until America started getting cool. Now we're giving them a run for their money. For sure. So, hey, Bob, what's next for Henhouse Brewing, you know, in the near or far future? You know, what are the plans for beers, distribution and events? Yeah. And, you know, how are you guys, what are you guys doing here, you know, in the short term as well with regards to getting through this pandemic? So as far as getting through the pandemic goes, you know, for our tasting rooms, we're playing things really safe. At the time of this recording, coronavirus cases are such in Sonoma County that we are able to have our Santa Rosa tasting room open for having beers on site for full-time on the weekends and then part-time during the week. Our hours have been kind of we're kind of experimenting and rejiggering them. So I'm not sure when you're, when folks will be listening to this. So I'll just say full time on the weekends. And then on the, on the weekdays, we're doing kind of a, kind of a challenging hybrid model of to go for a period of the day. And then more during the time where folks are off work, you can cruise by our Santa Rosa location and enjoy some beers. We are certainly looking forward to brewing a whole bunch of new beers we have seven more fermenters on the way, I believe. When I started, when our Santa Rosa facility went online in 2016, we had uh, six 30-barrel fermenters, and now we have 24 fermenters up there, and most of those are 60-barrel fermenters, and we've got a bunch more on the way. It's amazing to be thriving and still hiring. We're still hiring new people right now. We have positions we are trying to fill we're just going to keep delivering brewery fresh beer to everyone everywhere. And we are trying to get it out. We're going to get more into grocery stores because uh, life's tough. And if you need to make a special trip to get really, really great beer, that just makes it hard for folks. So we are focusing on putting really, really great beer into big chain stores with that same really tight 28-day freshness window. That means that our team is in that grocery store Pretty much most of the week, they are mostly just sitting in their cars in the parking lot, seeing people buy a hen house, running back into the store, restocking the shelves, back to the car, back to the store. Our sales team and our merchandisers work really hard so that people can get that incredible kind of brewery, wait in line experience beer. But while you're uh, while you're picking up, you know, bread and uh, ketchup and Pop-Tarts. And that's uh, that's a wonderful thing that we are trying to do. And we are maintaining cold chain throughout the way. We're, we are uh, continuing to do online sales. Uh, jump on over. We can hit you anywhere in the state of California. Outside of California, Lo Siento. We are starting to send a little bit of beer down to Southern California. And we're really stoked to be pretty permanently up in the Sacramento and uh, Lake Tahoe and Chico regions. Thanks to the good folks at Musseter Distribution. Still dreaming about that third tasting room. That's really exciting. I am running a show called Five O'Clock Somewhere on Instagram. Uh, We have put a stop to it while I have been out there. Our marketing team does not have much of a bench. It's it's all of our players (laughs) all the time. Um, If I stop working, then all the stuff I do kind of stops. If our if our graphic designer stops. You can guarantee there is no one else on the company who can pick up a pen and draw a hen like Mr. Josh Staples. Same thing with my man Fridge, who is running all of our social media stuff. I hope all of us stay safe and healthy until the company gets big enough for us to have some uh, a little bit more backup. But starting December 1st, health willing, God willing, I will be back on the air. Five o'clock somewhere is just a fun way for people to casually, safely engage with us. I'm, I'm a lifelong bartender and you just get to hang out with me and a guest and, uh, we drink some beers, talk about beer, talk about life, talk about cool things that are going down. It's a fantastic show. I've, I've been on, but mostly I listened and, uh, you can tell you've picked up a lot from your time as a bartender, but also your time in the band room to foam. Yeah. Um, we got our single, This Suds for You. It's a seven inch. We only pressed up like 25 of them because we were broke college kids when that album came out. But uh, it pops up on eBay. Just keep your papers peeped. Yeah. 
Bob Wagner of Henhouse Brewing. Thank you for joining us. Bob! Gentlemen, it has been an absolute you, Bob. pleasure. Bob, I have to say, Bob, uh, you know, I don't oftentimes stay for guests, you know, because there's too <laughs> yeah. many too many interviewers. But sure. everyone said, oh, you got to stay for Bob. And I'm glad I did. And you know, next time I'm up at Hen House, I want to buy you a beer. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Sounds good. Anybody out there, you got any more Hen House questions, hit me up. I'm easy to find. Bob at henhousebrewing.com. That is my that is my personal email address. I love talking beer. Drop me a line. I'll hit you back. All right. Thank you, Bob, for joining Thanks, us Bob. and sharing your story and the Hen House story. Thank you guys so much for having us. Listeners. Thank you for spending the hour with us. We hope you enjoyed the visit with Bob from Penthouse. Put it on your list of places to go and beers to drink. Also on your list, following us on Instagram, Twitter, subscribing and liking us on your podcast service. Spread the word with your beer drinking friends. We'd love to keep going. Right now we got to run. B-double-E-double-R-U-N, beer run. B-double-E-double-R-U-N, beer run. All we need is a 10 and a 5 and a sober driver, B-double-E-double-R-U-N, they're round.